Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Guess who we've got back in the house? He decided to grace us with his presence today. Benji Nyson here for Stage 5 of the Giro d'Italia 2021 recap. A nailed-on sprint stage. It's from Modena to Catolica, 177 k's. Nothing really to tell you, to be frank. The longest straight road I've ever seen in a sort of Western European race for about 110 k's, but the finale is not straight at all. In the last two kilometres, there's about five 90-degree turns, very technical, lots of road furniture. We'll talk about it in more detail in a second, Uh, but, yeah, there was supposed to be some wind, Benji. At what percentage, was there any time during this stage you thought, ooh, there could actually be echelon action? Well, the thing is, I, I actually trusted Twitter a lot on this too much because too when the much. stage started, I was hyped. I was thinking echelons <laughs> everywhere according to my Twitter timeline. But I started watching the race and I saw no wind at all, no flags by the side of the road, standing straight up. So uh, I lost my faith in uh, in my Twitter timeline pretty quickly after that. But still, I think that with these flat stages, echelons do make it great, but they also take away the possibility of watching an actual head-to-head sprint with the best sprinters at the end. And I think that's one of the things I also enjoy doing. The initial part of the stage might not be fun, but I do enjoy the sprinting phase of a flat stage like the one we had today. But that aside, let's take a look at the uh, very important breakaway of the day. Taliani in the breakaway and also Marengo. These two riders were in the breakaway for quite a bit. Took the first intermediate sprint, if I recall correctly. Nobody really cares who won that. And uh, they got caught. They got caught pretty early because then we saw other people attacking from the peloton, including Simon Pelot. We had uh, why they get caught so early? In the break as well. I feel I like that, yeah. I feel like everyone had been told by their DS to watch out for wind coming out of these towns yeah. they'd gone through, and everyone was Ineos. You saw Ineos and Bahrain getting to the front. They, they I swear to God, they caught the break who had a two-minute lead in ninety seconds. <laughs> it, it may seem impossible, but I swear that happened with yeah. 100k to go. And as Benji said, we we're like, surely someone's going to try for the TV exposure for 80k's because we can't just have teams riding in a flat line at 34k's an hour. So, yeah, we got another. Uh, and then they were joined by Alexi Gujan in the last 20k's. But we'll skip forward. They were always in hand, 90 seconds. This was going to be a nailed-on sprint stage as always. And we actually saw Lotto Sudal coming to the front early, early, like with 12, 13 Ks to go, keeping Ewan in the front five wheels. You will, you will remember, stage two, the problem for Ewan was he had two lead-out men with him in the last 500 metres when he was 30 wheels back, which is inverted what you want you'd want to have your lead out men pretty much spent if there's other people leading it out and be in the top five wheels on that stage so that was what they stuffed up on stage two we said let you and do his thing surf wheels we've seen him do it before just get him in the top 10 wheels in the last kilometer so they seem to be doing that burning riders early and then they got into like a city area where there are lots of corners and road furniture even before the last two k's and there were some crashes, Benji. I can't remember them all. There were so many. Who was the first to go down? Was it Sivakov? Well, the first was, I think, TJ Van Garder in a, in a corner, but it yes, wasn't too right. bad. But Sivakov as well had a crash. He looked to be in a bit more trouble than Van Garder when he crashed. So I'm not sure Sivakov is going to be 100% okay after that crash. I think that we'll see tonight if he's got any injuries from it and if he ends up continuing tomorrow because it didn't really look him out. 
I just uh, I just he's heard Tosado on Twitter. I just heard Tosado on Twitter said that he's fearing a broken collarbone for Sivakov. So Jeez. this is li- live breaking news, but unfortunately that sucks. Let's hope that it's not the case. Let's hope that he's able to continue. But this is exactly the way that his Tour de France last year started yep. with a crash and multiple crashes. And honestly, yeah, Both we'll talk eight. about it after uh, the yeah, stage yeah. thing, I think. Hold that uh, thought. Yes. So another crash, unfortunately, was where uh, it looked like there was a bit of a, a traffic island where one of those guys with their yellow flag that they'd have to pay me $1 million to do that job because it's hella dangerous, proven by today, because Dombrowski ended up hitting the rider, well, the person that was doing that signaling on the uh, traffic island. And while hitting that person, he ended up hitting Landa as well, and Landa went down as well. Dombrowski was bleeding from his nose. He was able to... Uh, continue the race but Landa was not looking too good and I was a bit worried at the start because he wasn't moving too much he looked really hurt yeah really badly uh, hurt only thing I know about it is that he was brought to the hospital we'll hear about it more after the race he is not in this die anymore which is a big loss for the race let's be honest he was amazing yesterday and I would have loved to see him do more his DS Franco Pelizzotti says it's wrist or shoulder so hopefully it's uh, that's bad and DNFing is bad, but I was worried it was back yeah. vertebrae or something worse. So hopefully, not ideal. Hopefully, it is just a broken wrist or shoulder. Exactly. Because I, we thought it could have been much worse. He was lying there motionless on the ground. So thoughts to Lander. Benji and I are pretty upset. Well, I'm very upset because I really think – I think Lander's underrated. It wasn't his fault, no. really, and I thought he was going to do really well in this year. He had a and magic f- day yesterday. The thing is also a bit of a, a moment to think about the guy that was actually hit, the person on the traffic island, because I feel like he's probably overlooked here, as most of the people care about, oh, Dombrovsky's down, Landa's down, yeah. but I do I do care about that guy as well. He seemed to be able to stand up relatively quickly, so let's hope he's okay as well in that situation. But crash aside, we had a uh, hectic, hectic ride into the last kilometers, and I think it was, like you say, Ewan was not necessarily... Uh, he was not necessarily at the back and fighting position like last time in the preparation of the sprint. His team had him at the front of the race. He was in second yeah. wheel with a good 1.3 kilometers to go. So he was in that place. And we even saw him the moment that his rider was done and that another rider from another team was taking over. We saw that Ewan was actually choosing to, uh, well, drop back a tiny bit in the group because he wanted to get a, a better position. Because if you're, if you're literally in second wheel with a kilometer to go, you're going to have to do the lead out for the other people. This ain't going yeah. to work if you want to win the race. Yeah. So nice so decision well. on that one, but I'll throw it to you for the last kilometer here. As Benji said, so it was Du Bois, I think, for Lotto, the last man, but he was pretty much done. He was, if you go and watch the last 1,500 meters, which is maybe where you can start this stage if you're watching it back, Du Bois just looking, looking, looking over his shoulder. Who's going to take it up? Because no one was really taking it up. There's a real power vacuum in the lead outs. We don't have a quick step train with five riders. Quebecer have maybe just Volscheid the Nizzolo. Viviani had Consoni. UA Gaviria just has Milano. I'm not sure who the Alperson lead out is for Merlier, Benji. It wasn't the Bond, so apologies to that rider. But he, he they only had one there for Merlier. So there's not these massive trains, just Osphus again. Eventually, Du Bois and uh, flicks Ewan. Ewan goes back, as Benji says, with a K to go. Os, I think, takes it up from far out. Not a high pace. He's got Alperson's last lead-out man on his wheel. Milano, Sagan, Merlier, 
and then Ewan, after much fighting, slots in about seventh or eighth wheel, I think, in a pretty good position. The thing is, the problem is you need to be aggressive and you need to be able to fight for a wheel to do what Ewan did at that point because no one wants to let him in. You've got, you've got the single-file pace line and you've got Ewan sliding back on the right-hand side. The last man you want sliding into a wheel in front of you is Caleb Ewan. You said get to the back. So he had to fight for that wheel, did so, got in there, and then oscillated out from 700 metres. He flicks through. Alperson then lead it out to 435 and it's actually Molano, again, doesn't do the lead-out for UAE. He kind of lets a wheel go. A bit strange. Maybe he didn't couldn't see Gaviria there. Meanwhile, yeah, Kofidis on the right-hand it. side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he saw Gaviria wasn't on his wheel, Benji, like the other day. Kofidis on the right-hand side with Consoni. Hard lead-out for Viviani on the right-hand side. Really good lead-out, frankly. Great job. Like this is in the last 300, 200. So I think there was a little rise at the end based on the little the camera angle. Nitsolo has been left on the wrong side, on the left-hand side. He has to come from deep, starts his sprint from 200, swings over to the right-hand side and kicks almost at the same time as Viviani. Moliere and Ewan have a fight for Viviani's wheel on the right-hand barrier. Moliere's kind of, Ewan had 60 to 70% of the wheel. Moliere's closing in front of him. And we've seen Sagan doing, lots of riders doing similar things. It's a fight for a wheel. And I'll throw it to Benji in a second to get an unbiased take. But Ewan basically pushes back, really fights for his position with his hip and hits Merlier and it looks like it drops Merlier's chain off or something goes wrong with Merlier's bike. He's out of the sprint. Ewan gets the draft of Viviani on the right-hand side as he kicks. Nitsolo comes over, so Ewan gets a second rider then to slipstream off into the last 100 metres. And if we see, if you see that happening, it was like that Tour de France win, Benji, where he like cannonballed around, but a little less spectacular today. And once he got clear air, we knew this was over despite the camera angle being really bad <laughs> live, but we knew because Ewan was going past Nitsolo. solo. So yep. Ewan makes up for the earlier stage. Any other details from that sprint that I've missed, Benji, or things that I've missed out, Groenewegen and Orko or Chimolai that you'd like to add? I want to get back to a few things. First of all, Groenewegen didn't seem to be in contention because he actually lost, well, his sprint train and he also was way too far to the back going into the last 400 meters. So I think that it was just not a good day when it comes to positioning for Dylan Grunewagen, I think he's still one of the faster people in the peloton, looking at what he did last time. And uh, I think that's the reason that today he wasn't there. Um, I think one thing I want to mention is going back to Milano, because I just rechecked while you were going off on your end. And when Milano was going out of the front, he looks to the right and he sees the Kofidis train coming on his right. The Kofidis train with Gaviria in third wheel, just behind Viviani. And he goes to the right and accidentally blocks the Kofidis train that Gaviria's on. And Kofidis has to go around Milano, basically ruining Gaviria a tiny bit. So well, Gaviria has to go around is... him. Gaviria doesn't get the nice yeah. slipstream off the right either. Yeah, good. that's a good call. <laughs> so uh, I think that Milano probably didn't notice that Gaviria was there, but I think that the eye line was perfect to see Gaviria. But yeah, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't Milano in that situation. He could have just seen over him. And uh, well, it, it does show again that the UAE sprint strategies are not really up to standards and they need to get things sorted because last time they had a very similar situation where Milano was a bit too far to the right doing his lead out and Gaviria was trying to go for the uh, small space next to Milano. If Milano was a bit more to the left, Gaviria might have been able to pass, but that wasn't the case. 
And again, Gaviria risked it a lot to go through that small hole last time. But right here, it's a different situation where Milano just stopped his lead out and he did so accidentally blocking the, the line that Gaviria was on, which is not ideal, of course. So I think that Gaviria is going to be angry again because I swear I heard he, he didn't have the last legs time. either, to be honest. I think he's yeah, of course, but. Yeah. If, if you don't have the legs, you, f- you look for excuses. And True, true. Can I yeah. ask your opinion? Yeah, I already mentioned it. Ewan and Merlier, that coming together, which seemed to ruin Merlier's sprint. I'm the Australian, you're the Belgian, so I'll throw it to your take first. I think what Ewan did seemed to be fine. No headbutt, no flared elbow, more just uh, fighting for his position with the other guy coming in as well. I didn't see anything too wrong with it. Is that your take as well, or have I got sort of uh, biased Australian perspective on it. I agree. I think that's a bit of a mixed situation. I think that the thing that happens is you've got you've got Viviani with his lead out Consani ahead of him on the right. Ewan is passing Gaviria the moment that Molana goes to the back. Ewan is in the wheel of Viviani at that moment. Merlis tries to get the same wheel, but he is forced to the right even more because Sigan's closing in from the left. And that sandwich by Sagan, no, I, yeah, like they were all fighting for the same wheel, so I'm not yeah, pointing not any fingers not here. But no, no. like in this situation, that sandwich causes it causes Merlier to have to move a bit to the right. It it goes into Ewan. Ewan didn't really go to the left there, so I don't blame anyone here. It just they just yeah, race situation. I'd say on this situation, and I think Merlier just bad luck when it comes to his chain and. If you're fighting for the same wheel, there's going to be one person that comes out of it having that wheel. It's, it's yeah, basic yeah. science, I'd expect. And Ewan was the fastest to get into the wheel. Actually, I'd say Ewan was the fastest, but he's also the tiny guy that was able to basically hug the barrier next to Merlier and able to pass him still. While if yeah. that was anybody else, that might have actually been an accidental crash there. So I'd say that Ewan got away there a bit, lucky. And I hope that like people notice that in this sprint Ewan proves that if he's in a good situation if he's in a position to be competitive he's one of the two best sprinters in the world and those two best sprinters are in my opinion still Sam Bennett and Caleb Ewan I think that they've both got their skills I think that Bennett is better at timing and intuition in the last kilometer I think that Ewan has more acceleration and uh, Ewan is probably better at worming his way through through small gaps as well in sprints, stuff like that. So every single one of those two has qualities that the other doesn't have, and I think their top speed is pretty similar. So I, I love that 1v1 competition that we can always compare because those are the two best sprinters right now. Now, you would say, well, Grunewagen was great before he had the, um, the injury and the uh, suspension. Yeah, but I can't really calculate how good Grunewagen is because his performances recently... Have, we have no data to base it on. So that's why, for me, those two riders are the two best sprinters, and I think you, you'll agree with that. Yeah, I think whoever got onto Viviani's wheel was probably winning this sprint because they would have got the draft and been coming out of it at the perfect time. Nizzolo didn't have it. He had to come out really early, and that's why I think he came second, even though he did a good sprint. Here's the top 10 results. Ewan first, Nizzolo second, Viviani third, Sagan fourth, Gaviria fifth, Moschetti sixth, Pascal on seventh, Grunewagen eighth, Belletti ninth, Chimalai tenth. So I think Sagan again is showing that he can just 
he doesn't have the speed to really be beating these guys head to head if unless something super weird happens but he can get into the right position and then he's following their draft the entire way to the line without getting checked and that allows him to consistently finish in the top five of these bunch sprints pick up Chiclamino points as well i would make a quick note before we move on to the preview of stage six that i do think i'd say i know that sprints are extremely random events you make one mistake in the last Correct. one kilometer and your sprint is done. You follow the wrong wheel in a split second decision, your day is done. If you're doing a mountain climb, a six kilometer, 8% finish, if you follow the wrong wheel for a second, you can correct that. You can just move out of the side of the road and you're going to try and fix that. It might not be ideal, but it's it's fixable. If you make a mistake in a sprint, your sprint is done. We saw that in Shell de Place with Bora. They went to the right-hand side with their train, got blocked, sprint over for them in Akron. And that's why I think the market significantly overcorrected for Ewan and Merlier before today's stage. I said last night I wouldn't pick between them, but I would look to see which one had better value. Much to my surprise, Merlier opened at $2.80. This is in corporate, so it'd be higher other at Betfair. Ewan opened at $5. And I was surprised by that to see the difference between them. I yep. thought because of one sprint, we now think Merlier is almost twice as likely to beat Ewan in a perfectly flat sprint based on what the market is saying. That was very surprising to me. I was like, because of one sprint, we're now discounting what Ewan can do. And can we've be- seen, sorry, mm-hmm. in a second, we've seen yep. Ewan and the Lotto lead out generally when they do stuff up, like at UAE, they eventually do get it right. And without quick step here, they were able to get it right quicker. They went with the strategy of putting him in the right wheels with 1K to go. And that's why, yeah, I just think that was a, a big overcorrection given that one sprint doesn't change who really is the best or the quickest. Yeah, go on, Benji. Yeah, my advocate of the devil kind of reaction to that would be I, I'm expecting them to keep in mind that Ewan's positioning this season has been subpar the entire season, but you're right, it's an overcorrection because he's still he's still one of the two best sprinters in the world. And if you're one of the two best sprinters in the world, and if you're in a good position, you are likely being very competitive in that sprint and perhaps winning. And I think that I think we both had Ewan for this stage. I'm gonna be honest, for me it was uh just because I had Merlier the last time, so I <laughs> I, I wanted to pick someone else. Yeah. So uh, I don't really have a, a specific reason why I had Ewan today, but I'm glad he won. He's got one of his three stage wins that he wants this season, one in the Giro, one in the tour, one in the Velta. He can now go home, but I guess he's gonna stay for a few more days to get a second one, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, before we get on to the preview of tomorrow's stage, I want to mention our show partner, LaCole. If you want to get 20% off any LaCole kit during the Giro d'Italia, the code is hashtag, hashtag, that's for Twitter. The code is all caps LRCP20. As you can see it down below, the link is down below. There's also the McLaren collaboration with LaCole called Project Aero which, I mean, the kit looks absolutely fire, and it's also designed from the ground up to make you go faster. They've got a speed suit as well, if you're interested in checking that out. There's more on the, there's a blog post about that from Nicole if you want to read up more about it. Tomorrow's stage, from Grotti di Frassassi to Ascoli Piceno through the San Giacomo climb, 161Ks. It was an easy stage today, so the GC rider should be fresh, except for those crashes of Sivakov and Lander, which were tough to watch. 
The main first climb comes with 78Ks done, the Forca di Gualdo, 10.5Ks at 7.2%. That's a pretty serious climb. There's a small ridge line, rolling ridge line, then they do another 5Ks, 5%, the Forca di Presta. Descent of about 40 kilometers, and then they start the last climb of the day, 15.5Ks at 6% gradient, not up to altitude, it's up to 1,100 meters. The final ramp is 5Ks at 7.6%. When I look at... The middle, the first main climb, Digualdo, is got some steep bits at the start. Forca di Presta has got a bit of a steep bit at the end, but San Giacomo is fairly consistent. Just gets a little bit steeper at the end, but it's got doesn't seem to me to have any horrific pinches. I'm struggling to figure out what's going to happen on this stage, Benji, because yeah, I just I don't know to be honest whether it's break or GC because it's not the hardest mountain stage you'll ever see. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, ah, uh, it kind of reminds me of of a bit of an Etna finish where it's not really yeah. a a very steep climb, but it's a pretty long one and steady. So it reminds me of that. A ton of times it's been the breakaway. A ton of times it's been GC on that one. So it could go either way. I'm personally thinking that if it's a breakaway, it's only one or two riders left. I'd expect, but. The thing is, if we think about who should pace on this stage, we know that in the current lead of GC, we've got Israel Startup Nation. Why would Israel pace on this? Like, he just, Exposure. Yeah, but let's be real. Exposure, but is it worth it? I, I don't agree. I think they should be in the break with someone and try again. Demarki should be in the um, break again. Seriously. <laughs> I'd no, love this it. Stage, this stage is, is good for him to be in the break yeah, again. I agree. Um, do you know where Harm but, Van Hoek is? Uh, I do not know. I do not know where Harm Van Hoek is. Probably somewhere in Italy. Um, <laughs> I think that I want to note that we should perhaps look at the possibilities of the follow-up of what Bahrain will be doing the next couple of weeks now that yeah. Lana is out of the race. It sucks talking about it already, but we kind of have to because that's that's what we do here. But if you look at the riders on that team, then Bilbao is probably new leader. He uh, survived relatively well, if I recall correctly, yesterday. Um, I think in that Caruso was something. Caruso was good. Yeah, true. Caruso was better. True. 143 down. Yeah. Bilbao, 212 down. Those two might be going for GC now, but I would not expect Bahrain to put all their eggs in those baskets. Uh, I'd expect them to go into the break again. Trotnik will yep. be in the break, I think, in one of the coming stages. Perhaps not tomorrow. But I do see Surely them, uh, tomorrow. attacking a bit more. Yeah. Good, good call. Genuinely, good call. Like but Maida's good climber is sure the sort of stage you should be getting the break. Han van Hocker is twenty five minutes back on GC. Benji, if he's in good condition, he was good on the Etna stage that Benji mentioned, which is a similar sort of stage. So he's a good option. Uh, other riders, I don't, I don't know. It's tough for me to really say. Matteo Jorgensen is twenty three mm-hmm. minutes back. But yeah, do the GC teams, are they looking at this, Benji, now with Lander gone, who wants to take it up and really gain time on this stage rather than just get through it unscathed? I kind of don't expect that Ineos will start pacing before the final climb. It just doesn't really sound like something that needs to happen here. I think that the Koenig is not in a situation where they should do that. I don't think it's early enough in the race to decide to put Almeida in the break as a bit of an Escher, a satellite rider or gain time again. I don't see that happening. I think that, yeah, that it's too early for that. I think that 
Evenepoel already uh, lost a bit of time, which means that on paper he fits more on these kind of climbs. But Same I also don't. Yeah, I also don't see them making the action tomorrow necessarily. No. So, Carfi, uh, I'd expect to wait until we've got Zonkulan to to spread his wings on. I think that tons of them will be looking at their own time and preventing extra time laws and keeping themselves up there. And there Friday, actually, I'm actually just going to go breakaway. I could be wrong here. I, I got to be honest, I'm not 100% knowing of this, but I am going to go for an Androni rider, Jefferson Alexander Cepeda. He's That's been losing goal. time this entire Giro so far, perhaps for the second and third week, but I think it's a climb already now. Him and Molima will be riders that I'd be expecting in the coming two weeks to go in these kind of stage in the breakaway, perhaps in a bit tougher ones to try and get a stage win, and I expect both of them to do it. So uh, I'm going for Cepeda here, but it could be a lot of people. Got to be honest, it's uh, it's pretty open race, this one. I'm going with two Movistar riders, Pedrero and Ina, Ina Rubio. I like them for this stage as well. Matteo Badilati for FTJ is a good option. Jorgensen I already mentioned. Uh, if Simon Aronsman was here, I'd pick him, but he's not, I don't think. So it's a shame, Benji, because, he's, you know, Ciccone, Bardet, if they were not going for GC and got in the break, I'd be all over them. But Ciccone says he's going, not going for GC, but he's close on GC, and so he <laughs> won't get the break. But, like, you look at this stage, those two in a break would be lethal. Uh, Molimus yep. lost time, so maybe... He's an option. If you want my view on what Ineos should do, I would full send tomorrow. It gets steeper at the end, 8%. I think you can gain time with Bernal. He looked, if he's if he has the legs and he feels good, the mm-hmm. stage is not so long. Now they've lost Sivakov, but you look at that first climb, Narvaez, Castroviejo can do that climb. Ghana can do the lower slopes here and Moscon as well yeah. because it's not so steep at the start of this climb. And with Landagon, who's maybe one of the better climbers now, I know they've lost Sivakov. He probably won't, even if he starts tomorrow, he's not going to be in great condition. I don't know. I would I would want him in, wanting to be test testing Avonapol and Almeida whenever you can because mm. they were found wanting the other day and Bernal looked really good. And why not make hay while the sun is shining? That's my What view. do you think about Bora? Because Buchmann lost time yesterday, a pretty significant amount, I think, two minutes uh, which means 45 seconds or something on the, on the better climbers yesterday. He is not looking at the level that quite a few people are expecting, but it also wasn't his ideal climb. So do you expect them to still throw everything at him or do you expect someone like Fabro or Groschartner to be in the breakaway a bit more in the coming weeks? No, I don't expect him to be in the break. Fabro, definitely not, I wouldn't think. They usually keep him back for pacing. So yeah, I think... Uh, can they have any confidence that they're going to take it up and he's going to be able to then do anything is the problem. I mean, EF for Carthy seem to want to just wait for other teams to pace. That's why Benji and I are leaning a bit t- more towards break because none of these other teams can confidently say or need to at this point. We're so early in the first week. To Ooh. Okay, best case, what are you going to do? Pace and then attack and then how much time you're going to gain on a climb like this with a stage that hasn't been that hard so that people aren't really in that much of a glycogen deficit it's just not that much of an incentive so yeah i'd say break 65 35 gone yeah i'm actually gonna add one name to the potential pot and that's sean poussin because i just doesn't necessarily have riders here uh for gc so he's on 25 minutes right now 
perfect to go in the breakaway. And we know that he can finish a stage like, a stage like this. And even if he finishes together with someone, he'll beat them in the sprint. So uh, I, I actually would dare to put him above my initial pick, who I completely forgot about. So I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you pick Cepeda, who I like. Oh, okay. pick there as well. But that's our preview of the stage tomorrow. A difficult one to pick because it doesn't really look the hardest, to be honest. Uh, and when you look at the stage coming afterwards, because maybe for a really hard stage afterwards, they're more likely to take it easy. It's not that difficult. So I don't know. It really depends on what quick step want to do. We've got a few teams licking their wounds after some crashes. Maybe Bahrain come out firing either in the break or on the final climb because of the lander crash. Who knows? But it should be hopefully a bit more interesting than the one today. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give the video a like down below. That definitely does help a lot. And I know even though it's a podcast, still we do try to put a lot of effort into the YouTube video version of it. And if you're listening on podcast players, we love you too because we're at 950 ratings, or I think five. I think 955 star ratings. We're trying to get to 1,000 before the end of the Giro on podcast players. And Benji, if you're listening on YouTube players, is holding the animal thing the green animal thing wearing the coal kit. Uh, I'm not sure what our sponsor agreement says about that bench after talks to them. Um, but <laughs> I, need, I need a baby a baby kit so if they can get that. <laughs> for, for the animal thing, all right. That's where we'll end today. Enough shenanigans. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.